Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Darla Trendler. So welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. I'm Darla, your host. And today I have with me my friend Joanne. I'm going to try to say her last name, Mazara Orleski. Joanne is a mom and she lives in Canada. And we connected a couple of years ago at a business conference, kind of a chance thing. Um, But we've sort of stayed in touch through social media since then. And she is a wonderful example of motherhood to me. And so I am excited to have her on the podcast today. So welcome, Joanne. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. So to start out, will you just tell us a little bit about your family and your background? Okay. Like you said, I am from Canada and I'm actually from the coldest province there is. So, you know, I'm (laughs) not really enjoying the winter right now, but I'm making it through. So I have been with my husband for 15 years and we have six kids Three of them are our biological kids, and we have Ethan, who's 13, Cohen is 10, and Katia is 8. And then we also have three adopted in our hearts children. Um, We have Cynthia, who's 10, Richard, who is 7, and Ricardo is 4. We're a pretty loud family, except for my husband and my oldest son, who are the quietest. Although they are the ones that talk the most in our household. (laughs) (laughs) And um, we are very adventurous. We love to travel. um, But we also love staying at home and just relaxing and kind of not really doing anything at all. (laughs) Well, that sounds great. Well, I definitely do know that you're a family of adventure because um, you made the decision. I think you told me it was five years ago. And your family took your whole family and you went to Haiti as missionaries. So can you tell us about that? How did you come to that decision? Um, What did that involve? And what brought you to Haiti? Okay, so before Haiti even came into the picture, my husband went on a missions trip to Mozambique. Just for like a little bit of background, my husband and I only became believers in 2010. So he went on a mission trip in 2011. And he came back and told me that we were meant to be missionaries. And at that time, I was basically like, you are crazy. This is not happening. Because while he wanted to be a missionary, I was dragging him around the city looking for brand new houses to have built. I wanted brand new cars. I wanted all of the stuff life could give me. So we were on two completely different worlds at that time. And then... In 2013, I went on my first mission trip to Haiti. And the only reason I went was because I wanted to tell people that I went on a missions trip because that was the good thing to do if you were a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) So So how long were these trips? Like your husband went to Mozambique, you went to Haiti. How long were were those trips that you initially went on? Um, He went for two weeks. Okay. And then I went to Haiti for a week. Okay. So you're just kind of dipping yeah. your toe in the water, so to speak. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so while I was in Haiti, it was a complete 
definitely eye-opening experience for me. And I had always kind of put a blind eye to poverty, even in Canada. But in Haiti, you just, there's no missing it. Right. Um, it's everywhere you look. You know, over those that week that I was there, there was little... I guess, signals that I felt like God was showing me. And then on the last day that we were in Haiti, we just kind of met with this random Haitian person who wanted us to show, he wanted to show us his community. So it wasn't planned. We just kind of jumped in the vehicle and followed him. And the moment I stepped out of the vehicle, it was like, it just hit me. And I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like I knew that God was calling me mm-hmm. to that community and there was just no doubt in my mind. So I went home and I was like to my husband, you were right. We are going to be missionaries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's really amazing how God can just change your heart just that fast. I've had, I've experienced yeah. that too. That's, that's great. So you went home and you said to your husband, you were right. And then how long did it take before you actually headed back to Haiti? It took us nine months. (laughs) Well, that is, that really isn't very long. That's, that's, you got to do a lot of preparation, I'm sure. I mean, it was just, we went back in September to, to look for a house to live in. And then my husband was military, so he had to put in his release, which can take a few months to do, you know, for how long it can take some military people, it didn't take us long at all. So that was a blessing for us. And we sold everything we had and away we went with our 10 suitcases. (laughs) So how long, what was your plan when you left? How long were you planning to stay? We really didn't have like a number in mind. We just kind of wanted to let God lead and, you know, however long he wanted us there, we were going to be there for so how did you prepare your children? How old were they at the time when you when you first got there? At the time, they would have been, my youngest was four. So my middle would have been six, and then my oldest was nine. Honestly, I felt like they could just sense, not so much the excitement, but how confident we were in the Lord's calling that it didn't scare them. And we always shared such positive stories to them and the the Haitian people that they would get to meet that they were excited to come with us and they were excited to experience um, a new life, even though I don't think they fully understand, understood at the time how different it was actually going to be. Yeah. I think, I think kids are going to take on however we perceive something and however we're reacting to something, they're just going to follow our lead. So it sounds like you handled that perfectly. How how did they react to what they saw when they got to Haiti? Because you said before, you know, poverty, you can't turn a blind eye to that. It's everywhere. How did, how did mm-hmm. they react and how did you help them with through that? Um, I remember on the drive from the airport to where our, our house was, um, you know, you never know what you're going to see on the street. So the kids saw um, people going to the bathroom or digging in the garbage and they were they were more full of questions about, why are they doing that? And, you know, they wanted to know where where stores were and why the houses were built of cement. They were just, it was question after question after question, which I mean was great because while we were learning, they were also teaching us new things because we had to come up with answers for them. (laughs) Right, exactly. You're like, well, let me find that out. 
So what what did your day-to-day life look like? How did you settle in in Haiti as a family? When we first got there, we wanted to experience as much as the Haitian culture that we could being um, foreigners there. So we decided to hire a cook who would just cook us Haitian meals. So for the first year, we ate a lot of rice and beans and spaghetti, which, you know, after 10 months, it kind of wears thin on you when Mm -hmm. that's your only meal. (laughs) Yeah. But um, it was good. And, you know, our kids were really good about trying the foods that she cooked for us. And in the mornings, we would do homeschooling with them, which was tough some days because I didn't realize how hard homeschooling was. I thought it would be easy for my kids to do online homeschooling, but when you don't have consistent power, oh yeah, it's not the easiest thing to get on the internet and do school. So there was a lot of late nights of me staying up while the electricity was on and printing out everything they would need for the morning. So we would do that in the mornings and then in the afternoons we would go out to the community that we were going to work work in and just meet the families and build relationships, let our kids play with kids their age, um, even though they, you know, they couldn't communicate if they had a soccer ball. That's all they needed to, Mm. to bond with each other. They were so good. I mean, even our neighbors, they would just go out into the alley and play frisbee together and they just adjusted really well to being there and then our evenings were just spent at home um hanging outside where it was cooler because when you live in a house of cement and you don't have electricity it gets really hot and you learn to embrace the the great outdoors (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't know how you did that that is amazing no electricity okay so Tell us about the circumstances that led up to you meeting your three children that live in Haiti and how you kind of came to call them your own. I'm going to try to make it a short story, even though, I mean, it's a long story. (laughs) (laughs) In our first year there, I really felt like the God or God was calling me to care for kids in our home. And we weren't really sure how that looked, you know, was it? an orphanage type of program we were going to do or was it just like a a day program where kids were going to come and we would feed them and love on them or how was that going to look one night when my kids were sleeping and my husband was sick so he was in bed already I just kind of prayed to God you know if you want us to care for children I'm not going to go look for them. I'm going to allow you to send them to us whenever you're ready. You know, he didn't take long to to answer that prayer. And the next night I was on a Facebook group where the foreigners have a way to connect with each other that live in Haiti. And one of the ladies wrote on there that she knew of a dad who had two little boys that the mom dropped off and didn't want anymore. For him, he couldn't keep them at that moment. Otherwise, he was going to lose his job because that's where he was living with his boss. You know, for some people, you would wonder, you know, why would you choose your job over your kids? But in Haiti, when you have a job, you're going to do everything you can to keep it because you may never get another one in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. So she just wanted somebody to help with the boys temporarily until 
the dad could figure something else out and could take them back. I knew as soon as I read the message, I was like, I am supposed to take them. Like, I'm supposed to be the helper here. So this was only one day after you said that prayer? One day, yes, (laughs) one day. (laughs) So I think that's awesome. You opened yourself up to let the Lord guide you, and he just... There, he, there they were. So we made connections and we met the dad and, you know, we had an agreement that we would keep the boys for a few months until he could find a place of his own to to take the boys back and find a caregiver that would watch them while he was at work. It all seemed great. And um, we took the boys in and I'll never forget the moment we walked through that gate with them and my nine-year-old son at the time burst into tears and was like, mommy, why can't, you know, their daddy keep him? And I don't understand why their daddy doesn't want Mm. them. And, you know, you cry with them because you just don't have the answers. Um, That that must have been hard for your biological children. And, and, you know, what, what can you say to them? You really don't, don't have the answers. Yeah. Because it's, you know, for them, it's, they knew that even in Canada that, you know, some kids don't have moms and dads or their moms and dads don't live together. It's, it was completely new for them to, to see that their dad was in a way giving them away to somebody else. Right. Our kids were so good. They instantly bonded with them. And, you know, our daughter who was four at the time would help me brush their teeth at night and wash their face and, our middle son would give them a bath outside when, you know, the water came on. So they were really helpful. And it was really a beautiful thing to watch your small children take care of other children. Yeah, I'm sure it was great to see the love that they had for them. Yeah. So we had the boys um, for three months. And then, you know, dad came and got them. And he said he found a caregiver for them. And we were We were excited because ultimately we wanted them to be with their parents. Um, We had a dad and we didn't feel like we were being the saviors by taking them. We just were trying to help. So he dropped them off at a caregiver and we then found out that it was actually their mom that they went back to. So we were even more excited because we were like, that's great. You know, now they're with mom, they'll get to see dad. Everything is wonderful for us. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that was the outcome that you wanted. You were just like the temporary caregivers to get them back to that point. Yeah. You know, we stayed in contact with them and we would we would send them money to help buy food or uh, we would bring them food once in a while just just to help out in a simple way that we could. One day the mom phoned and was just really worried about. Ricardo, who was at the time um, 19 months, she was like, he's sick. And I was like, well, he can't be that sick, but I guess we'll come and get him and take him to the American clinic that we had by our house. So we went and picked him up and it had been a few months probably since we had seen them. And we picked him up and he, there was nothing like there was no meat on his body. He was oh. just very thin and he couldn't stay awake and he wouldn't eat anything or drink anything. So we were like, we really need to get him to the doctor. So we took both of the boys just so that 
they weren't separated and we wanted to keep them together. So we had told the mom, you know, we'll take him to the doctor and we'll figure out what's wrong and we'll just keep you updated with everything. So we had brought him to the clinic and he was malnourished and he weighed 11 pounds at 19 months. So, you know, another moment where for our children where they had to learn something new was my husband took uh, Ricardo to the doctor with our oldest son. You know, our oldest had to hear that it's quite possible that Ricardo was going to die because, (laughs) you know, because he wasn't healthy. And that's hard for, you know, a nine, 10 year old child to hear and not understand why. Yeah. And especially where he had had, he had bonded with Ricardo when they were in your home. I'm sure that must have been heartbreaking for him. So we, we decided it would be best if we had just kept the boys for, um, I think it was an eight week program that the nurse put him on just so that we can ensure that he was getting what he needed and could go to his checkups regularly. Um, so over those eight weeks, we fed him back to health and he gained the weight he needed to gain. And, you know, we were all so happy. And then the time came where we brought them back home and, I mean, it's always tough when you have to give them back and you're not sure when you're going to see them again. But again, they were with their mom and that's what we wanted. So they were with their mom for a few months and everything was going well until one day um, we got a phone call saying that mom was sick. You know, they didn't know what was wrong with her, but she couldn't move. She couldn't um, feed herself. She was just laying in bed not being able to do anything so we while we were busy making plans trying to figure out what to do for her and how to help her she ended up passing away and we were in Canada at the time so we were left feeling very helpless at that moment imagine So, so what happened so their mother passed away was their father still around did they have a caregiver at that point um at that point the boys were living with their auntie as the dad decided he no longer wanted to be a part of the picture. Okay. So now they, you know, first they had lost a dad in a sense, and now their mom is physically gone. So did you have Um, contact with, with the aunt? Were you getting updates during that time? Yeah. We always, um, there was always somebody in Haiti that was able to, connect us with the aunt. So we had to make a decision on what we were going to do. And we found out before the, the mom had died that there was actually a sister that we didn't even know existed. You know, we had known mm-hmm. the boys for almost two years and all of a sudden this sister is there. And we had already decided we were going to we were going to take the boys and we thought, well, if we're taking the boys, we can't leave the sister. We need them to be together. They're siblings. So when the boys had been in your home, where was their sister at? Uh, she was with mom, but okay. mom had never mentioned that there was a girl. She oh, you didn't even know about her at that point. Other kids. Wow. So we were kind of shocked when all of a sudden this little girl is a part of the picture. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you're back in um, Canada and they they're with their aunt. Yeah. And so then what happened when you went back to Haiti? 
So when we went back to Haiti, they all three of them came back to our house with us and we started life as a family of eight. It was one of the hardest times there because, you know, you have six kids who are all very different Mm -hmm. and especially for um, Cindy, our daughter who had lost a mom yeah. And she doesn't share the same dad as the boys, but she's never known her dad. So here we have her who lost her mom. And at the time, she didn't really want another mom. So her and I had a hard time bonding. And even for myself, I had a daughter already. And it was hard to open my heart to having another daughter. It took us months to bond, but... Thankfully, you know, Cynthia and my husband connected so well that it gave us that time to really build a relationship without affecting her not feeling loved by anybody in the house. Right. But, you know, our house got crazy and (laughs) (laughs) it was good, though. It was good. So your your intention at this time is we're going to adopt these three kids and we're going to leave Haiti and we're going to take them back to Canada. Is that right? Yeah. So at the time, um, the Haitian law was that foreigners could live in Haiti. And as long as they had the requirements of living in Haiti for five years, they could get guardianship of the children in their care and apply for adoption without doing it the international route. It would just be a national adoption. Okay. And then after at, um, at that point then you could take them back to Canada. Had we lived there for 5 years right. we could have we could have done it. And then it came out that they had changed the law because from my understanding so many people were taking advantage of getting guardianship and getting travel visas for the kids that they weren't coming back to Haiti with them to finalize mm-hmm. adoption. So they basically just said nobody is adopting as a national anymore as far as i know they that's still the way it is it really had us think you know what is the best for all of us as a family to do this right so what what was involved in that process how did you come to a decision about what to do since national adoption wasn't an option right um for us we we always knew that we weren't going to do the international route just because we we know the expenses that it comes with you know for us to potentially spend two hundred thousand dollars to adopt these three children we just thought you know we have these three children who have an auntie that love them so much that why can we not take care of them here but also take care of the auntie and her family at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, we just felt like it was better use of the money that we would have had to to spend. Did you, in that process, did you feel like God was leading you that way? Like this is what he wanted? How did you, you know, did you pray about it? I, I think that would be hard. I think, you know, when you have a plan and you think this is perfect, we're going to do this and then that's not going to work. You know, how did you work through that? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was months where we just, it was a constant conversation between my husband and I and and just me constantly questioning God, which way is the right way. 
to do this. And at that time, we just, we felt that for us to properly care for them, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be us being in Haiti just because our middle son was already dealing with anxiety of being there. He loved Haiti, but there was certain things that was causing him a lot of anxiety where he wasn't functioning properly and it was becoming unhealthy for him. It was almost one of those times where you write down everything that's good and everything mm-hmm. that's bad and be like, which way are we going to go? Yeah, we, it sounds like that's not an easy process. You, you've got six kids with all these different needs and you're weighing yes. everything and trying to figure it all out. Yeah, yeah, definitely not an easy process. No, and I mean, sometimes we make it sound like it was an easy process for us, but I mean, every single day we still process it. And we I'm still, sure. we have days where we still question if what we did was right. And it'll always be that way, I think, as long as we're all separated from each other. Exactly. It takes it takes faith. And I'm sure that that gets tried on a, on a regular basis. And you just have to, you know, go back to what you felt at that time and pray about it. And I'm sure that is just not an easy thing at all. So, so now you're back in Canada and you, you left them, but you feel like they're in a good situation with their aunt and, and you're supporting them that way. How do you feel connected with them? What do you do now to, even though you're not physically with them, to help them to know that they're part of your family, that you're part of their family? What mm-hmm. kinds of things do you do? Right now, my husband and I travel back and forth and um, it was one of the non-negotiables for us was to make sure that we were there for their birthdays and around Christmas time and in May our our five our sorry our seven-year-old will be doing his kindergarten graduation so we'll be traveling there for that because you know we try to remember that whatever we would do for our kids here we want to be able to do to the best of our ability for our children in Haiti in my eyes birthdays are important you know the celebration Mm -hmm. of our life is important and I want our kids to know that their life is is to be celebrated. I was just there a few weeks ago celebrating our two boys' birthdays. And, you know, I had them birthday parties and gifts and cake. And a whole lot of kids in the community came over for supper that night. And it was just a good time to to be together. And we have a friend there that constantly lets us know how the family is doing to keep us updated. We'll, we'll call them on Skype, you know, to talk to them for a few minutes to let them know that we love them and we miss them. And thankfully, they go to an an American school. So we know the teachers there that keep us connected with their schooling. And we try hard to make sure that they know we're still there for them as much as we can be. I think that's awesome. What about your, your biological kids? How has you're trying to make connections with them, traveling to see your kids in Haiti? How has that affected them? And how do you how do you build connection with them physically in the same house? So, <laughs> <laughs> Which can um, be hard. So between work and school, I mean, um, it can be hard sometimes to to find the time to spend with your kids. But I've always been a family time person where we have a family date night at least once a month because it's just important for us to to have those times together and 
even though I have a teenager who doesn't think it's very cool anymore to have family date night. I think he knows how important it is to me to have those times together and he'll do his best to pretend to have fun with us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least Um, he's there, right? That's that's right. And that's all I ask. You know, I just want him to know that we're there and supper time is a non-negotiable like at supper time we are all at the the table sitting down together with no distractions around us just being able to talk about whatever we want to we want to talk about and we do things individually with them whether it's going to the movies or you know this weekend I'm taking my daughter to Disney on ice and it's the same thing you know go to Haiti we take our three kids individually to do things by themselves. So we have that time alone with them. So really the principles are the same. You just kind of have to adapt because it's you're not all living under one one roof. Yeah. I think, I think you've got a lot a lot of great traditions going on there. So what with taking looking at all six of your children, what are your greatest hopes for them as a mother? You know, as a mom, the only thing I can hope from any of them is that they learn to love and they learn to love good because, you know, I can dream of them going to university or college or becoming this and that. But if they don't have love to give to others, I just feel like you don't have much to offer to the world. So I'm a big believer on on loving others. (laughs) Love. Yeah. If if our kids can just all love each other and other people, we've you're doing pretty good. So final question, Joanne, I always like to ask the guests at the end, how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? Every day, I feel God with me, you know, it's, I think it's so much more evident now, because I am separated from three of my kids, you know, early on, there was days where it was hard to make it through the day, knowing that I'm not going to see three of them when I open my eyes in the morning or when I close my eyes at night. And, you know, God has been good to us and he has definitely confirmed that the decision that we made was the right decision. And he's provided so well for us just by us being in Canada, but making sure that we can provide for the kids in Haiti too. He's definitely been good. Oh, I love that. One of the things that I was thinking about this morning, I was doing some scripture study and I was thinking, just a phrase kept going through my head. I don't know everything, but God knows everything. And so because of that, we can get, we can get through whatever we need to, and we can rely on him. I, I love your message and the story that you have of you you followed him. You you didn't do what you thought was best. You did what he thought was best. And in the end, it will all work out and all of your children will know that they're loved. And so just thank you so much for sharing your story and, and for coming on and doing that. I'm feeling like some, somewhere down the road, we might need to do an update and see how everything's going. So. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I just find it so... So good that, you know, I'm allowed to express all my feelings of Haiti this week. It's kind of just going around everywhere. <laughs> I know you you had said that this is the five-year anniversary of your first trip there, right? Yeah, that's right. See, God just works it all together so that you can do that. So I think that's that's wonderful. Well, thank you, Joanne. Thank you. 
I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.